Did you know that Afghanistan is ranked at 156 out of 156 countries, showing little to no progress in closing the gender gaps in many areas, such as health, education, and economic opportunities? According to the World Economic Forum Global Gender Gap Index of 2021, more than ever, young women voices are facing many obstacles. This and more on Trade for Peace. Welcome to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. I am Axel Addy, former chief negotiator of Liberia's accession to the WTO and founding member of the Trade for Peace program. Trade for Peace is a 30-minute podcast in conversation with Trade for Peace champions, the global policymakers, entrepreneurs, and innovators committed to promoting trade as a key ingredient for lasting peace. Join us in our bi-monthly podcast as we discuss how trade is contributing to sustainable peace in fragile and conflict-affected countries. Welcome to Trade for Peace. Today on Trade for Peace, our series, Stories from the Frontline, we will be discussing young women's perspectives on today's Afghanistan. Joining us are Narwan Dadgar and Shakila Mahamadi two young students from the American University in Kabul. Narwan and Shakila were former interns at the Ministry of Industry and Commerce of Afghanistan. These two brave women had to flee to continue their education safely in another country. Their stories embodies much of the values of trade for peace with the unique perspectives of young women working on trade in fragile and conflict-affected contexts. Narwan and Shakila, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. Now, Narwan and Shakila, before we get started, I think it is important to tell you how much the Trade for Peace program values the participation of young women like yourselves working in a country like Afghanistan. In fact, this month, we celebrated International Women's Day. So happy International Women's Day. Thank you. Thank you. On this occasion, can you tell us what it was like being a woman working and studying in a country like Afghanistan? There is no doubt that Afghanistan is a male-dominated country, and growing up as a female is difficult in every aspect. Where many girls don't even get the very basic right to an education, I had the opportunity to study at the American University of Afghanistan, where both male and females' rights were respected. However, I did feel the pressure of the society most of the time being a female. I could feel how male-dominated the society was and how discomforting that feeling was just because of the gender, how you feel, and how you don't feel as respected as a male that is, that is very uncomforting. Being a girl in Afghanistan is definitely not easy, but what makes a huge difference is the family of a girl. It starts from family that whether a girl gets to go to university or not, whether they get to go to school or not, or even whether they can pursue their higher education. So a lot of things for a girl in Afghanistan is being decided by their family for them. So it's very important to be born in a family that's supportive, that accepts a girl as equal as a boy and respects their rights as a human being. 
I have to say that I'm blessed to have a family that has been extremely supportive, especially my parents. They have given me the confidence, the courage to stand where I am today, to face all the difficulties and be able to be where I am today. And tell me about your experience in attending university. What is your typical day like? University was good. I actually really loved my university. I still love it. But now it's taken over by the Taliban, and I enjoyed my days. University was one of the main places that I really enjoyed myself in. It was fun. It was enjoyable, and I learned a lot. So there were, like, great memories from university, and I think no memories can ever replace it. Were women attending classes along with men in the same classroom, ate together, you socialized together at the university, or were they separate? No, we had classes that were together. So we had a co-education system at the American University of Afghanistan. So it was boys and girls. We were all together. We were classmates. And over to you, Shakila. What was your experience like? Thank you so much. So if I could summarize my experience as a girl growing up in Afghanistan, studying there, and also working there, it would be a sentence like, it was a hard and challenging, and it still is a hard and challenging journey, but my desire to study and my desire to education was the reason that I survived. So when I first decided to study at American University of Afghanistan, I had a really hard time convincing both my family and also I had to handle the perception of society toward AUF, that it was a completely American environment. And as a girl, we were not allowed to study in such an environment. So I had a really hard time convincing my family that I needed to become enrolled in American University of Afghanistan because I always wanted to pursue my education in an environment that could give me the outcome that I always expected, not that educational system that we usually experience in the ordinary universities of Afghanistan. So I convinced my family and I became enrolled in American University of Afghanistan. But again, Afghan society, they define certain limitations and they define restrictions for girls. So it's hard to survive there, especially when it comes to the working environment. When a girl tries to start working, for me personally, I had to check everything in my working environment. I had to check who uh, who are working there. Are there girls there or they are mo- mostly men there? Is the environment comfortable for girls to be there or not? I had to check basically everything. Even my parents, my family wanted to see my environment place where I have to work to make sure. Yes, to make sure that it it was safe because Afghan society, they have a lot of restrictions and limitations for girls that families, they become forced to ensure themselves that the working environment is safe for girls. So, yeah, it was a really hard and challenging experience there. Well, I mean, let's talk about the working environment. The fact that both of you were able to intern and go to work at the Ministry of Industry and Commerce. It's a testament to your parents, you know, openness to the idea of getting an education and and seeing a different place for your future. So let's talk a little bit about your experience at the Ministry of Industry and Commerce. 
maybe Narwan, you can start. What was it like working at the Ministry of Industry? How did you get the internship? We had the opportunity to be a part of the Jonah Jackson Moot Court competition. And through the Moot Court, they introduced us to the Ministry of Commerce. And that's how we had the opportunity to do our internship at the Ministry of Commerce. And what exactly did you work on? Shaquilla, talk a little bit about the work environment. Parents have to go and inspect the work environment to make sure who you worked with, who you were surrounded by, who you were supervised by. Tell me about that experience working in the, the ministry. I have to agree with Shaquilla. Our parents are like that. And I think they have all the rights to do that because a lot of working environments in Afghanistan are not actually that good for females because of how the society is, as I said, right? But we had good coworkers and we were happy with them. And at the office that we worked was me and Shaquila, who were females, mm. and the rest of them were males, but they were decent people. Mm. And as she says, our parents do check, like, to see who we're working <laughs> with, how is the yeah. environment. That's important because a lot of the working environments are actually not safe in Afghanistan. Thank you, Norwa. And, and Shakila, what was that environment like working in a male-dominated uh, department, I'm assuming? What was that like? Because, you know, I'm sure our audience thinking those men, the fact that they worked with you all in a very professional manner, and now they're living in a different reality. What was that like working with your colleagues in the department? Yeah, it was a really good experience for me and Narwan. We learned a lot. We see the reality of how trade works in Afghanistan and how lucky we were that we understood that in that time that we really need experts in this field to actually work on the implementations of the rules of World Trade Organization. And also we had these conversations with our colleagues there and we were challenging them actually that why we have and less work in this part and why we have more work in that part, why this rule is not being implemented. We were challenging them and then we were uh, learning from the answers that they gave us and their answers shows that, that Afghanistan really need experts in terms of international trade. Yeah, yeah that's often in countries like Afghanistan, you, you know, there's there are a lot of times there are capacity gaps. Afghanistan joined the WTO, and I remember the former ambassador and permanent representative of Afghanistan, Ambassador Mohammed Kurban Hajjo, had highlighted, and I quote, that conflicts leave behind social fractures and insecurity that contribute to further stigma and isolation of fragile and conflict-affected countries. And in the case of Afghanistan, the need to replace soldiers with traders to use trade and economic integration to achieve long-lasting peace is what drove the WTO membership, end quote. And he was trying to make the case that greater trade integration could create traders to replace traders with soldiers in terms of trade being a vehicle for lasting peace. You worked in a ministry that was handling trade, and oftentimes people are interested in knowing how has that WTO process contribute to really promoting trade for peace in Afghanistan? I mean, what encounters when you were working at the ministry, what encounters did you have that sort of show how trade promote peace? I think one of the best ways out of the misery, of the war misery, is to be financially independent. And this can happen through trade. We know that there is a direct link between trade and peace. 
because if there is peace in a country, then there are a lot of investors. You have a lot of investors who come and invest in your country. I could see in Afghanistan that there were not a lot of investors. Many were reluctant, not only international investors, but also the domestic inventors. They were reluctant to invest in Afghanistan because they couldn't see that security. They couldn't see that, yes, if we invest in here, our investment will be secure. And that was one thing that I could see that was really lacking. However, there has to be flow of goods. There has to be investment in order to bring peace to a country. For instance, in Afghanistan, majority of the people are unemployed. And I think one of the best ways to like help the people is to provide them with jobs because lack of jobs do create insecurities. People commit robbery and they kidnap. I mean, kidnapping, robbery and theft, they had increased significantly in Afghanistan lately because people did not have jobs or if they had jobs, their jobs probably did not pay them well enough. So I do believe that there should be investment in Afghanistan. And I do believe that with trade, with investment, there comes a stability to the system, to the government, which can over time lead to peace. And therefore, trade can lead to peace. Thank you. And uh, Shakila, do you have anything to add? Yeah. So basically, this concept of trade promoting peace This is an interesting concept. And the reports actually shows that the conflict between the countries can reduce international trade and global stability economy. But if we think of this concept of trade for peace, then we can see that the opposite relationship can also exist, that trade can promote peace. So aside from all the political and legal challenges that we have in Afghanistan, I think trade can definitely promote peace in our country. As me and Narwan experienced in Ministry of Commerce, there we came to the conclusion that if we had a stable economy, an improved economy, there would be a significant change in people's life. And so it could help us to achieve peace. Mm, Absolutely. Now, Afghanistan joined the WTO in July of last year. We celebrated Afghanistan's five-year anniversary as a WTO member. An impact study was conducted and presented the progress uh, Afghanistan had made since joining the WTO pre-Taliban. You both worked in the ministry, and I'm sure you had the opportunity to see the interaction between the private sector and, and the ministry. In your view, how did you see the impact of Afghanistan WTO membership helping entrepreneurs in the private sector? And then how has that changed in today's Afghanistan, particularly for young women like yourselves? The laws did make things seem more reliable, secure, transparent for the entrepreneurs. However, I cannot say how much exactly these laws helped that one entrepreneurs because the implementation of these laws were and still is a huge challenge for Afghanistan. And the implementation of WTO laws are crucial for the development of Afghanistan and the security of business and trade. However, working in the Ministry of Commerce, I did realize that Afghanistan needs resources to overcome the challenges of implementation. So we need resources that are human resources as well as financial resources. 
Afghanistan needs experts in the field of international trade law who could lead the matters which are related to trade or the WTO, and also to know the obligations that Afghanistan has towards other countries and the obligations that other countries have towards Afghanistan. Or in case of Afghanistan has any claims or if there are any claims against Afghanistan, there should be experts who could defend the case. And definitely, Afghanistan needs to be financially stable to implement the WTO laws. So in the long run, I think that we should have more trade experts as well as we should be financially stable for a better implementation of the WTO laws and for us to overcome the challenges that we are facing right now. You're absolutely right. I think oftentimes countries that have joined the WTO really struggle with the post-WTO accession implementation commitments because leading up to the accession, there's a lot of support, technical support, a lot of expertise that hold the hands of the national negotiating team through the accession process. But then a lot of that goes away after the country joins. And so what you're highlighting is a typical challenge for most countries who accede to the WTO. They need to have further support to continue to build the capacity of the institution. And I know we were talking earlier about some of the challenges of coming to a ministry that is supposed to be negotiating and implementing WTO commitments. And a lot of, a lot of people didn't even understand what the WTO was <laughs> or is. So that comes with a, it's a standard challenge and it's, it's an appeal to the WTO, I guess, to continue to support uh, countries through their post-accession arrangement, their post-accession process. You are listening to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. We will be right back after a short break. Welcome back to Trade for Peace. These online shops were growing yes. in Afghanistan. My brother also had an online shop. But, oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, but when Taliban came, he closed that because there was no investment and also no desire to buy mm. through that online shopping. Also, one of my friends had, she was making this traditional jewelry of Afghanistan. Yes and was mm. selling it. But then when Taliban came, she closed the business because all those who were interested to buy them, they fled the country. So no one was willing to buy them. And also no one was willing to invest in that business. So they completely closed their business. Is this the same thing for friends of yours or Narwan? What has been your experience? So I got in touch with one of my family members yesterday. And... They said their business is not doing that well either. And the main reasons are first that the funds are frozen and there is not enough funds in the market or in the country. So people do not have much money. Secondly, the dollar exchange rate keeps on fluctuating and the prices increase and decrease based on the dollar rate. So if the dollar exchange rate increases, then the price also increase. And Afghans earn in Afghanis 
So they cannot actually purchase the amount of things they could purchase before. Right. And so they have to basically prioritize what they will buy now. And that's one of the reasons I think the businesses are not doing that well now. We've talked a bit about your experience working and studying in Afghanistan before the Taliban took over. But now I would like to focus on August, September of last year when Kabul fell to the hands of the Taliban. According to the Taliban, women should not study, should stay home to raise their children and maintain their homes with their families and their, for their husband. Now, as women who were already in school, dedicated to serving in the public sector, what was that transition like during that period? Narwan? I honestly don't know how can an economy or a country function if half of its population simply does not work, study, or does not contribute in any way. That it's within itself is a question for me, that how can a country function? The transition affected me very negatively. For months, I could not believe that everything we worked so hard for all the time was just fading. It faded very quickly. It was all going just before our eyes, and we couldn't do anything to stop it. So one day before the Taliban took over Kabul, me and Shakila, we, as normal, we went to our work, to the ministry, and it was normal. But the day after that, we stopped going to work when the Taliban took over. But I have to say that I've become a much more stronger person than I used to be. I had to leave behind almost everything that I cared for, everything that I loved, and everything that was a part of me behind. And I had to take a huge step for leaving my country behind, my family especially. And I had to come. So that within itself made me very strong. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, that gives me the feeling that, yes, I would work. I would not stop and I would go back and help my people and help my country once I'm a much more capable person, once able to actually contribute in a significant way to my country. So I think it affected me pretty deeply. And you, Shakila? The effects of transition and me. So basically, deep down, I still cannot believe that this happened to us because this transition destroyed all the achievements that women had gained through these years. We had tried so hard to show us in politics, in culture, in economy, in a place of work, in universities, but all of those achievements was destroyed in one day. So basically, we went back to where we started in the beginning. So the main effect was that it destroyed all our achievements and all the hard works that we had and all of those things that we had worked for. And apart from that, for me and Narwan, basically our university where we studied there, it became a big danger for our life. So imagine really? the university that you're studying there, it becomes a, a treat for you. So that was another effect. And also mentally, it really affected our mental health, our education, our grades at the university, and all, especially the evacuation process. We were at home waiting for an email from university <laughs> to become evacuated. And 
we thought that everything was stopped and we had nothing to do after that. So, but then now I'm trying to convince myself and trying to give myself the energy to stand up again and become more strong to go back and serve my society, despite all the negative effects. Well, I am very happy and thankful that you are both safe in a safer environment and you're continuing to pursue your studies. I think you are the future of Afghanistan and a lot of women will be looking up to you. I understand the risk associated with sharing your stories and I admire your courage. I hope this conversation will inspire others to continue to advocate for women's rights and empowerment in Afghanistan. Now, what would you like to see for the future of Afghanistan? I have to say that's a deep question and it's very meaningful. I would love to see peace in my country in Afghanistan. And that's not something that I only want to see. That's what millions of Afghans have been wanting to see for many years. And that's something we still want to see. And I believe that peace comes with respect, acceptance, and cooperation. I would like to see an Afghanistan where both men and women have equal opportunities to work and to study, where all the ethnicities have rights, where the youth have the power to lead, both in the private as well as the public sectors. I want to return to my country and have the opportunity to work just like the woman around the world, just like every other woman that has this very basic right. I believe that one of the reasons that most of Afghans left Afghanistan, most of the intellectuals, most of the youth left Afghanistan was because their very basic rights were taken away from them. And I believe that if these very basic rights are given back to us, most of us are going to return. So I believe that these basic rights should be respected and it should be given to us. And I believe that we shouldn't give up and we should work hard and strive for the best and we will. Thank you, Norwan. And over to you, Shakila. Okay, so what I see for the future of my country, well, of course, peace. That's the first word that comes to every Afghan mind when you ask about what you see for your future. Peace, it has always been in our dreams to see that in our country. So that's the first thing that I want to see in my country, hopefully in near future. And the second one is that I want to see women engagement in my country, women participation in many sectors of our country, in culture, in economy, in politics, in education, in all the sectors that women haven't worked before. Because we have many potential women who have the education and the potential to work, but they don't have the opportunity. So I want to see the women of Afghanistan to come back to the country and serve in many sectors. Wonderful. This has been quite an enriching and inspiring discussion. But now I would like us to switch a little bit, lighten up the conversation. Uh, you are both trade for peace champions in my book and in the truer sense of the word. 
We have recently implemented a new segment this season called Rapid Fire, where we ask questions about our guests to get to a more personal level in terms of who you are. So Narwin and Shakila would like to start the Rapid Fire. You basically have 10 seconds to respond to five short questions and we'll go back and forth. So I'll ask the first question, Narwin will respond, then Shakila thereafter. Now, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Your favorite Afghan dish, Narwan? Oshak. <laughs> and what is that? <laughs> they make it out of dough and then they put this kind of vegetable known as gandana. I don't know what we call it in English. Yeah. And you, Shakila? Mine is kabali. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a rice with meat, carrots, and all. Okay. And a book we recommend? A Thousand Splendid Sun. And you, Shakila? I recommend the book uh, Kuchay Ma, which, uh, if we translate it, will be Our Street by okay. Akram Osman. He is a brilliant Afghan writer, and through this book, he shows the history of Afghanistan through his story. Wonderful. And your favorite Afghan singer, Narwan? Ahmad Zahir. And you, Shakila? Uh, Mine would be Ayaz Hamid. Wonderful. And a woman leader who inspires you? Uh, Pashtana Durrani. Excellent. And who I'm is that? Pashtana Durrani is a young female who is an Ethiopian. So I got to see her at university and she was truly inspiring. But I also got to see Ms. Mahubash Saraj as well. And she's extremely inspiring as well. So I look up to both of these two females. I will choose my mother because despite all the challenges, she led our family very well and she raised her daughters very well, as you can see. <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing you would like to see happening in 2022, Narwan? I would like peace to happen. Peace is something I would love to see. Shakila? I think mine is a bit like a wish that I think will not happen. But I wish that I go back home and see my family. And for me, in celebration of International Women's Day, I would like to recognize Madam Makbuba Siraj, a women's activist from Afghanistan, who in her recent address to the United Nations Security Council on January 26, 2022, and I quote, while it feels as though the world has given up on Afghan women, we have not. We need to stand by us and we want to honor her and her work in Afghanistan. Thank you, Madam Mamuba Siraj. Thank you, Narwan and Shakila, for this enriching discussion. Now, I often like to end the podcast with a last question. So in one word, what does trade for peace mean to you and why? Peace and prosperity because the word trade for peace, that within itself means that there would be peace. And Shakila? Transformation or change. Mm -hmm. Because 
the main aim or the main purpose behind this concept is to facilitate the integration of fragile and conflict-affected economies into the multilateral trading system. So to bring change and transformation in economy of a country. Thank you so much. That was Narwan Dadgar and Shakila Mohammadi, former interns at the Ministry of Industry and Commerce of Afghanistan. Narwan, Shakila, thank you for joining us today on Trade for Peace. It is always a pleasure to hear young voices that are inspiring and that are working towards their country's transformation. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into our episode, Stories from the Frontline, Young Women's Perspectives in Today's Afghanistan. Don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. We are present on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as Trade for Peace. I am your host, Axel Addy. You have been listening to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. You can be a part of the conversation by sharing your stories and your suggestions with us at tradeforpeace at wto.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Trade for Peace. Be sure to tune in every other week for new episodes. Thank you for listening to Trade for Peace.